0: Okay, let's turn to First uh, Peter chapter 4. Does everybody have a Bible or we've got some extras if you need one? We've been on uh, a series, The Trying of Your Faith, How to Come Out Victorious. And we're going to... Go to first Peter four verse twelve. First Peter four twelve. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. The contemporary English version says, Dear friends, Don't be surprised or shocked that you are going through testing that is like walking through fire. God's Word translation says, Dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery troubles that are coming in order to test you. Don't feel as though something strange is happening to you. So what we're talking about here, the trying of your faith, you take a promise from God's Word, or more than one promise from God's Word. You ask, you pray according to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. You ask the Lord for it according to Mark eleven twenty four, 24, and you believe you receive it when you pray. You can also pray the prayer of agreement, Matthew 18, 19, that says, If two of you on earth shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So that's two powerful prayers when we're asking God for something. Now, from the time you pray and you believe you receive till the time that that thing you've asked for has come to you, and it's manifested in your life, the devil is going to come, the enemy is going to come, to put your faith on trial. He's going to put the word of God on trial. He's going to challenge the word of God. And he's going to orchestrate, and uh, work through circumstances and situations, to try to get you, To convince you that God's going to let you down, the word's not working, you're wasting your time, give up, give up, give up. He wants to steal that word from you. He wants you to pull the plug on your faith and you to give up. Because he cannot stop your faith. But he can get you to stop it. He can use your husband or wife to stop it. He can use, you know, uh, other Christians to stop it. He can use family to stop it, but he, he can't stop it. He, they, he'll use them to try to get you to stop it. And the answer to that is no. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not going to let him have it. So from the time we pray and believe we receive, Till the time we have this thing manifested in our life, what do we do? Now, when he comes to challenge our faith. Now, in our first session, we talked about the source of tests and trials, that God is not our problem. God is good. He's uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus said, Satan is the thief and he is the liar. We talked about how God teaches and instructs us through His Word and by the Spirit of God, which always agrees with the Word of God. He doesn't use calamity and adversity and trouble to teach and instruct us. We talked about Satan's job description. Killing, stealing and destroying. Now, if somebody has stolen something from you, is it, is it God's Is it God? No. 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 If somebody's stolen something from you, it wasn't God. Jesus said it's the enemy. It's Satan. Jesus said he's the thief. Uh, We talked about the character and nature of Satan. We talked about Satan's devices. In the second session, uh, we talked about how Satan, another device he uses to try to get you off the word and steal that word from you. He wants you to come out of this test and trial, drained of faith, depressed, discouraged, abandon your faith, thrown in the towel, and quit. He wants you faithless by the time you get over here and you are drained. That's what he wants. That's his objective. So we talked about another device he uses. He comes to challenge God's Word, and he questions. He'll put a question mark over God's character and nature. And we talked about how he did that with Adam and Eve. He'll plant suggestions in your mind that God's really withholding good from you. You know, God has ulterior motives, and he's really the one withholding from you. Uh, In the last session... We talked about how he works to get your eyes off the word and over onto the natural circumstances so that you're walking by sight and you're looking at things in natural circumstances with your senses. We talked about that. Now, uh, if you look back at chapter 1 of uh, 1 Peter, in verse 7, it says, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, because faith is, is precious, uh, is precious to God, it's valuable. It's valuable because without it, we can't receive from God. We can't receive anything from God without faith. Uh, It pleases God when we exercise faith and when we believe Him. And because it's by faith that we overcome the enemy and we overcome the world, that's why Satan is, um, that's why it's important to him because it's a threat to him. It's a threat to his operation in your life. Um, It's a threat to, to the way he operates in the world. With Satan, it's all about control. Everything he comes at you with, it's all about control. He wants to control some area of your life. And faith is what causes us to overcome him. So... Your faith is a t- becomes a threat to him. So he begins to target your faith, to try to get it out of you, to try to strip it out of you, to try to drain it out of you. Now somewhere in this time frame, from the time you pray to the time it's manifest in your life, he wants to deceive you into believing maybe it's not God's will for you to have this. Now that's a real popular one. That's a real popular one. And I mean, he is quite successful at selling that one. Lots of people buy that. And, and when, when once, they've, once they have bought that, they quit. They abandon their faith. They're throwing the towel. Well, I guess it wasn't God's will for me to have it. Their faith is drained. Their faith is drained. And that's what he's after. Uh, he'll try to convince you that God's not trustworthy and He's not faithful and you can't depend on Him and He's not going to come for you through for you this time. Uh, he'll try to convince you, you know, just send enough bad news and discouragement to get you off the word and looking at the circumstances. Uh, this is what He wants to make it look so dark for for you to think that defeat is inevitable. And that you will abandon your faith and throw in the towel. So what we're talking about today. uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. But we're talking about another device that Satan uses to drain our faith. And to put our faith on trial. And put the word of God on trial. He uses. This passage of time, from the time you pray till the time it comes to pass, he uses that time to wear you down. He uses that time to wear you down and to wear you out. It's God's will that we come out victorious with the manifestation of the promise as our possession and that our faith is stronger when we come out not faithless. You know, in Luke 18, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Now that implies to me, it's a rare thing. (laughs) It 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 implies to me, faith in the heart of an individual is a rare thing. And it also implies he's looking for it. You know what does it say? Is it Isaiah? It says his eyes run to and fro across the earth looking for those who he can show himself strong to. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for faith in the heart of individuals. He's looking for people who will not take no for an answer. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. One of the greatest trials of your faith is when you don't know why this happened or that happened. And, and uh, you know, why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? That can be one of the greatest trials of your faith. But if you will just stick, if you'll hold fast, hold fast to God's word and know that he is good and he is faithful, holding on to that will get you through some difficult times, in some hard places. Amen? There are preachers who used to uh, b- preach faith, they used to preach healing, uh, you know, it's God's will to bless us, and all the promises of God, and all the blessings of God, they used to preach it, and then something happened, It did something didn't turn out the way they thought it should, something didn't turn out when they thought it should, and they abandoned it and they started criticizing it, and they turned on the Word of God and all these teachings in the Bible because they decided, you know, something didn't happen when they thought it should or how they thought it should. So, you know, a lot of people start out, you know, with a bang, but we got to finish. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whether we stand or fall, it's up to us. So today we're going to talk about how Satan uses the passage of time to wear us down. Many people have heard the word. It's God's will to heal them. It's his will to bless them abundantly. Uh, You know, they can have and enjoy life at the highest possible level. And they took off with a bang. You know? And then when days turned into weeks, And weeks turned into months. And depending on what the situation is, months may have turned into years. They got weaker and weaker and weaker. They became discouraged. The enemy uh, convinced them that the word's not working. If God were going to do it, He surely would have done it by now. Uh, They agree with Him. They throw away their fearless Confidence and they give up. And folks, that is the main reason why most people do not receive what God has promised. They, they throw away their fearless confidence in God's Word before their faith has t- had time to complete the work. So that's what we're talking about. Now, let's turn over to Mark. Mark chapter 4. This is where Jesus talked about the sower sows the word. So the subject here is the word. And he warned us about this in this parable. In the uh, stony ground, verse 16, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now that's what we just said. A lot of people they hear the word, they get excited. Hallelujah. We never we never knew God would, would promise this to us. We you know nobody ever told us God was good and he wanted to do all this for us, and they get excited. And it says they, they immediately received it with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. These people endured. For a while. Afterward, when affliction and persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They give up. They cast away their confidence. You know, uh, if they weren't didn't see any improvement in their healing in a few days, they've already quit. This is not working. I don't know why they're preaching this healing stuff. It didn't work for me. blah blah blah. What's happened? They've become offended by the word. They endured for a while, and then then they, they threw in the towel. They did not uh, receive. They gave up and quit. They had faith to begin with, but they had no endurance to finish. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter how good you start out. You have to go all the way and you have to finish. Uh, Let's turn over to James chapter 1. Verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, better translation of that word patience is endurance. Some translations say patient endurance. The Phillips translation says, realize that they come, talking about all kinds of trials and tests, they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. The Good News translation says, for you know that when your faith succeeds in facing such trials, the result is the ability to endure. Now, endure doesn't, you know, uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, some people think, well, this is just, patience is just, you know, (coughs) looking at the watch. Okay, Lord, I'm ready. When are you gonna do this? You've had enough time. You were, that's not patience, okay? <laughs> uh, in, 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 we're going to talk uh, uh, in more detail about endurance and what it means. But, but endurance is what holds up your faith and keeps your faith working. The Voice Translation says, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line, mature, complete, and wanting nothing. That's what we want. We want to come out wanting nothing. Amen? Complete, wanting, nothing. Now, um, I, want, I meant to mention, while we, we were over in Mark 4, where it talked about persecution and affliction. I want to just go to those words for a second. The word affliction means uh, the amplified translates it trouble. It doesn't just mean sickness and disease. It can include that. But the word, uh, uh, the Greek word translated affliction is also translated tribulation. So when you see affliction in the New Testament, you see tribulation. They come from the same word. Now, the word affliction here means a tight squeeze or terrible pressure. A tight squeeze or terrible pressure. Where does pressure come from? Yeah. Yeah. When you're being pressured, it's not God. God doesn't pressure people. He leads you. God will lead you. He will not pressure you. Uh... One scholar says this word was first used to describe the act of tying a person up with a rope, laying them down, and putting a heavy boulder on top of them to to squeeze squeeze the life out of them. That's where this word uh, affliction comes from. It's translated as distress or trouble, always indicating a level of intensity that is almost unbearable in the natural. This indicates the devil may try to use everything around you to shut you down when you step out in faith to obey what God has instructed you to do. This describes how the devil will try to use circumstances and events in your life to put so much pressure on you that you will eventually break, throw in the towel, and give up. That's That's the the meaning of the word affliction and tribulation. He uses people, events, situations, circumstances, and difficult dilemmas to obstruct us from reaching our goals. Now, if you weren't here in these past sessions, they're all on the website, our new website, so you can go back and listen to them and get caught up with us. Now, the word persecution that um, Jesus used there in Mark 4. You know, when we think of persecution, we think about today when, you know, you see these people beheaded over in the Middle East or, you know, we think of people <laughs> being burned at the stake, you know, for, uh, you know, witnessing and, and evangelizing for standing up for God. But that's, that's part of the word. But it means to pursue or follow after to aggressively seek after. It's a hunting term. It's a term used when, when a hunter is hunting down an animal. The actions of a hunter who strives to follow after, to apprehend, to capture or to kill an animal. It can be translated to hunt and it's translated persecute throughout the New Testament. To be viciously and relentlessly pursued and what Satan is after is the Word. That's what he's after. So we're not letting him have it. Amen? Hallelujah. So Jesus was warning us in this parable. He, he warned us this is what he's coming after and this is how he's going to do it. Persecution, affliction, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, of... Uh, and the lust of other things entering in choke the word. That's all that's Satan's got right there to try to steal the word out of us. So Jesus warned us. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. So this is what Satan is counting on. As days turn to weeks, and weeks turn to months, and depending on the situation, months turn into years, and you don't see any manifestation, that you will grow weary and faint and give up. This is the trial of your faith. This is what he's after. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6.13, we won't turn there, but you know that one. Put on the whole armor of God. Having done all to stand. Stand. stand, stand. Amen. How long do you have to stand? Until. Until you see it, until you feel it, until you got it in your hands, until you're living in it or driving it or, you know, feeling it in your body or whatever. Until. Everybody say, hold on to your faith, hold on to your faith. Until, until. until, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. Your faith is being tried, and I've been there as well, <laughs> and maybe some of you have as well. But he wants to use the passage of time to erode your faith. To erode your faith, and that's why we have to keep putting the word in. We have to keep listening to that word on CD. We have to keep speaking it. Uh, we have to keep reading it. That's how uh, that's how we feed our faith. But our faith becomes developed the more we resist that pressure. The more you resist the pressure to quit, the more you resist the pressure to give up. Your faith is getting stronger. And that is not what the devil wants. That is not what he wants. Okay. He wants you to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Hallelujah. And, and we're not cooperating. Hallelujah. So keep on thanking God that he's heard you. He's answering your prayer. And when it happens, you'll be so glad that you did not quit. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. The devil will talk you into quitting. He'll use other people to tell you, you ought to quit. You'll feel like quitting. You, you know, you'll have thoughts of quitting, but you'll be glad that you put the force of endurance to work and you receive the end of your faith. Now let's turn to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. This is talking about uh, remembering the goodness of God, and it speaks of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. And apparently Jacob made no secret about this. (laughs) Which probably wasn't a very wise thing to do as a parent, was it? Um, And his brothers knew it and they were very jealous of him. God gave Joseph a dream which revealed God's plan for his life and Joseph made the terrible mistake of telling this dream to his family. Uh, In this dream, God used symbols that represented members of his family. Uh, God revealed to him that the day would come when his brothers and his parents would bow down to him. And they weren't very excited about it, (laughs) you know. Joseph was excited about it, but they weren't too excited. His father rebuked him and his brothers hated him all the more. So telling this dream to his family almost got him killed. And he went through years everybody say years of tests and trials and trouble because he told God's secret. Now here's a word to the wise. Some things God reveals to you are secrets between you and God. Not everything God reveals to you is a secret. But if you go out and tell your family and your friends and even other Christians about it, don't be surprised if you get treated like Joseph. Because they're probably not going to be as excited about it as you are. And when you let the devil in on it, he'll go to work in your circumstances to stop it from coming to pass. And I believe that's exactly what happened to Joseph. Now, there are some people who believe that it was all this suffering and tests and trials was all part of the plan of God to maneuver him into a position of power in Egypt. I don't really believe that. Uh, I mean, God's the one who gave him this dream. Surely, God was capable of bringing it to pass without using the devil and wicked people, you know. uh, So I believe, you know, God could have ordered his steps. He could have brought him into power in Egypt without him having to go through all these tests and trials and troubles and time spent in prison along the way. But when he told God's secret, the devil got in on it. And he began to try to stop it from coming to pass by using all this pressure and trouble and afflictions to destroy him. Now in verse 17, it says, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Verse 19, until, there's the word until again, until the time his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Until the time that his word came to pass, you could say, the word of the Lord tried him. In other words, circumstances made it look like that what God had revealed to him was never going to come to pass. The passage of time tried the word of God and and Joseph's Life, it tried Joseph's faith, but the word passed the test, and Joseph passed the test. Amen? Amen. And this is recorded in the Bible as an example to us. People who start out believing God, they hear the word, they get excited, and somewhere along the line, in the passage of time, they quit believing God and they turn, you know. On us and they turn on the faith message and they say, "I tried that and it didn't work." Talking about healing or faith or tithing, or Mark 11:23:24. No, the word tried them and they didn't pass the test. That's what happened. The word tried Joseph, he passed the test. Amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan put God's word on trial and they started out on it and they didn't pass the test. And what a lot of people don't understand when they get excited and start out, faith is not some quick fix formula to just get you out of a jam and then you forget all about it and go on your merry way till the next time you get in trouble. And here they come back again. Pray for me or whatever, you know. So, uh this is a get there and stay there way of life and the first step is to make the quality decision that God's word is final authority and we're going to go all the way or we're not even going to pray to begin with the devil puts your faith on trial to see how long you will last before you quit that's the, the trying of your faith that's what we're talking about So when people say, I tried that and it didn't work, they're saying the word failed. That's what they're saying. They don't say it in those words, but in a nice way, they're trying to accuse God. He didn't come through for me. God's word failed. That's what they're saying. God's word has never failed. You know, uh, Psalm 89, 34 says my covenant will I not break nor alter that which has gone out of my lips You know, Jesus said not one jot or tittle will pass away you know um, Isaiah 55 so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it but most people don't last long enough to ever see it come to pass They don't have the endurance that allows their faith to continue working to bring this thing to completion. So Joseph suddenly went from Jacob's pampered boy to being thrown into a pit by his brothers. His brothers lied to their father and told him that Joseph was dead, they sold him to strangers. They sold him to a slave market, and there this man named Potiphar uh, you know, bought him as a slave. Uh, and Joseph was so diligent, uh, and he had such an excellent attitude and work ethic and such impeccable character that Potiphar made him the overseer of all of his household. So things were beginning to look up for Joseph. And about the time they began to look up, Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of making advances toward her. And he was thrown unjustly into prison. So now he's been knocked back again. He's been, the devil has knocked him back down again. He was making some progress. But it says, and the Lord was with him. And he became keeper of the prison. So no matter. How every time the devil tried to knock him back and knock him down again, he just came back up. You know, he he never, it never got him down. You read this entire story. It covers several chapters of Genesis. He never made one negative statement. Not ever. He never said, I don't deserve this. I don't, you know, I shouldn't even be here, you know, And plus having such a cushy life, you know, to to go from having such a cushy life to such terrible circumstances, he never was depressed. He was never discouraged. Now, after he got into prison, you know, the uh, king's butler and baker got thrown in there with him. And um, he came in one day and they were all sad. And he said, why are you guys so sad? You know. And they said, um, have you forgotten that we're in prison? You know, But Joseph, he said, hey, why are you sad? He, he never got down. He never got depressed. He never said, God, you let me down. You gave me a dream. It's not working. It's not working. Why am I even here? I don't deserve this. He never, you never read a negative statement coming out of his mouth. Now, God gave Joseph a dream about that butler and about the baker. And he interpreted those dreams. And to the butler, he said, you're going to be out of here in three days. And to the baker, he said, you know, this is it. So his, his, yeah, his crime must have been, he must have upset the king a whole lot worse than the butler did or something. But when the, uh, when the butler got out, Joseph said, you're going to be out of here in three days, and when you are, I want you to remember me before the king. Put in a good word for me. Do you think the butler did? No. no. He, 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 you know, totally forgot about Joseph uh, after he got out. So, Joseph sits in prison two more years. Now, do you think he had the opportunity to get discouraged and depressed? Yes. Here this guy has told me, I mean I actually helped him get out of here. I just asked him to do something simple like remember me before the king and he's totally forgotten about me. Should we put our trust in people? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you know whether they do what they said or they don't we just put our trust in God. And fortunately Joseph did put his trust in God. So from the time that Joseph was sold into slavery till the time he interpreted the butler's dream, 11 years had gone by. After the butler let him down, two more years went by that he stayed in prison. Everybody say 13 years. 13 years. 13 years. Now, all this time passing, You know the enemy was speaking to his mind. Nobody's looking for you. They all think you're dead. They don't care about you. That dream God gave you is never going to come to pass. Look at where you are. God, you can't, you know, God's just going to let you down. That was just a pipe dream. That was your imagination. That was never from God, blah, blah, blah. You know he had those thoughts because we've all had them. You know how the devil operates. But Joseph continued to be diligent. And he had faith to continue to believe that word to do, you know, that that word would come to pass. And he refused to be despondent and depressed. And you know he had the opportunity. And you know, because he refused to get down. And he always came back to the top. You know that irritated Satan. I mean, you know that infuriated him because every time he would knock him back down, he would think, I got you this time. (laughs) I got you this time. You won't come back this time. I'll I'll show you that you can't trust God's word. I'll show you that God's a liar. I'll show you you can't put your confidence in him. But one day, Pharaoh called for Joseph. He got cleaned up, he got shaved, they gave him new clothes, and suddenly he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and he was second in command of all of Egypt. In one day he went from prison to the palace. After 13 years, and one day it happened. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now a famine came to Canaan where Joseph's brothers and family was living. And they they had to come to Egypt to buy food. And guess who's in charge of all the food? Joseph. He's in charge of everything. Anything you want in Egypt, you gotta come see him. He's second in command. So Joseph's brothers have to come to him. Now they didn't know it was him they were talking to. He revealed himself to them later, but they had to come see the man in Egypt for food, and the man was Joseph and what happened? They bowed down to him just like God said, it came to pass, it came to pass that dream they came, and they had to bow down before him if they if they wanted the food and buddy, they were glad to bow down I mean. When they had reached the point, they were glad to bow down. And even when they realized it was him, they, re- they repented. I mean, you know, they repented. Praise God. And Joseph had mercy on them. I mean, he had character. I mean, he had some kind of impeccable character. He, he is an example. Uh, I'm going to read Psalm 105 19 from the New Century Version. It says, Then the time he had spoken of came, and the Lord's words proved that Joseph was right. The Lord's words proved that Joseph was right. God's word passed the test of time and proved that Joseph was right to trust him all along. That's what that verse means. Joseph never allowed the passage of time to drain his faith. Abraham, From his 75th birthday to the birth of Isaac was 25 years. God took him out and showed him the stars, the sand on the sea, a seashore. He said, so shall your descendants be. He had no kids. They could have no kids. They'd never been able to have kids. Even when they were young, they couldn't have kids. And God says, you know, look at the stars, so shall your seed be. Well, Abraham believed God. But at one point during this time, in that 25 years, months became years, and, and they turned the calendar over, and they turned another page of the calendar over. Still no kids. And um, they wavered once, didn't they? <laughs> they wavered once. But at 99 years old, Abraham got back in faith. God appeared to him and he said I am the almighty God. And that was a way of saying, "Abraham, I don't need your help." You know. But out, you know what I mean? To put it common, just get out of the way. I can take care of this. And within 1 year, Isaac was born. He never wavered again. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says we're to imitate the faith of Abraham and walk in his steps. And then Abraham had the greatest faith of all when he was asked. God asked him to sacrifice. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. <coughs> now you would talk about a trial of your faith. That was that was a trial, wasn't it? Amen. Hallelujah. But by this time he had unwavering faith. Amen. Hallelujah. He never wavered again. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may not see it tomorrow or next week or the next month, depending on what it is. Uh, Healing, for the most part, you know, I'm talking about generally speaking. There's some things that might take more time, but just generally speaking, healing shouldn't take years for you to see an improvement in symptoms. It shouldn't take years to see an improvement in, in symptoms. Material things that involve money and lands and building and ministry can take longer because there are other factors involved. There are other people involved. But regardless, if you're going to believe God, you have to keep believing until. Hallelujah. Sometimes people have hands laid on them for healing. And if their symptoms aren't gone by the time they leave the building, they have already cast away their confidence and they've already quit believing God just because they don't know what we're talking about here. This is why this is so important. It is so practical. The days everybody is going to need their faith and let's believe for the instant. Let's believe for the suddenly, let's expect it. But folks, if it doesn't, you gotta be prepared You've got to know what to do when it's not sudden. You've got to know how to walk this out. And, and, and everybody needs to know this. This is really, really crucial. Now, in your faith walk, when it comes to believing and receiving from God, beware setting time frames. Beware setting time frames. For example, uh, beware of saying, I believe all my symptoms are going to be gone by tomorrow afternoon. Beware saying this is going to happen by the end of the week or by the end of the month. This money is going to come by the 15th of May or whatever. Beware setting time frames. If you do, you can open the door for the enemy to come in and pull the rug out from under you if it doesn't happen within that time frame. Now, the fact that you don't know how and when this is going to happen, that's all part of faith. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to happen. That's all part of believing God. If you know how it's going to happen and when it's going to happen, you don't have to believe anything. You already know. The fact that you don't know requires us to believe God and requires us to walk by faith. Now, if somebody else has put a deadline on you and say, we need this done, we need this money by the 15th of May, God knows that. If somebody else has put the time frame on, God knows that, but you just don't put the time frame onto it. Hallelujah. What if the third of the month comes? and you don't have it. The devil comes with thoughts. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Isn't that the way he works? Pressure. You say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep believing. Amen? That's the answer. I'm going to keep believing. Hallelujah. Uh, I heard a minister give this uh, testimony he and his wife were just beginning to hear the word and hear God was a good God and he wanted to do things for them. He wanted to help them and so forth. And they, you know, uh, they needed some things. They needed some basic necessities. They needed some bills paid off. And, uh, you know, they needed a a new car and some things. So they said, okay, let's believe God because we need to pay some of these bills and things. So, um, you know, they, they waited kind of, they kept listening to the word, and they, over a period of a few weeks, they thought, okay, we're ready to pray. So they prayed the prayer of agreement. They prayed according to Mark 11:24, 24. And they said, okay, we, we need a new car, so let's, let's believe God for a new car. And, uh, you know, if we're going to get one, let's get a new one. And if we're going to get a new one, let's get a nice one, you know? So uh, they prayed, according to Mark 11:24 and the prayer of agreement. And then he said, and Lord, I believe we're going to have this new car by the end of the month. <laughs> now, um, so they started expecting. They were excited. They started expecting. And every day at work, when the phone would ring, they would think, oh, this is it. Somebody's, you know, somebody's going to help us. And, uh, you know, where his wife worked, you know, uh, you know, every time they would come home, they'd open the mail. Oh, maybe this is it. Somebody's going to help us, you know. So, it comes down to a few days before the end of the month. And uh, still nothing. <coughs> so, the last day of the month comes. And all day, they're, you know, waiting to hear something. Still nothing. They come home and they have their dinner. 8 o'clock comes, 9 o'clock comes, 11 o'clock comes, (laughs) 11.55 comes, (laughs) 12.01 comes, still nothing. And, uh, you know, they kind of looked at each other and thought, well, you know, I wonder what happened there. And they didn't really talk about it. They just went to bed, you know, just really didn't even talk about it. But he said, fortunately, fortunately, they didn't allow the devil to come in and start blaming God for it. They didn't get mad at God, and they and they didn't, you know, they thought, okay, we we must have missed it somewhere. But but he said, God helped them. Uh, they were able to pay off some bills. They were gradually increasing. They got a car, a a pretty good car. It wasn't a new one, but it was better than what they had. Then eventually, they went into the ministry. And, uh, you know, they're still learning about faith and how to believe God and so forth. And he was praying one day. And he said, Lord, you know, back there when we were believing for that car, uh, he said, I thought I was in faith. We thought we were in faith. And if I wasn't, I need to know it. Because, you know, I want to know where I missed it. I want you to teach me and help me. And the Lord said, it was no audible voices, but just impressed on the inside. He said, you were in faith. He said, actually, you were doing pretty good for where you were. What little you knew and what little experience you had. You were just starting out. You were doing good. And, of course, he's thinking, okay, if we were in faith, why didn't, that, why didn't that car come, you know, by the end of the month? And the Lord said, you were in faith until 1201. He said, at 1201, you cast away your confidence and you quit believing. And he said, you let two little, two little hands on a mechanism convince you that my word is not true. He said, that's where you missed it. And he said, besides that, I never told you to put a time limit on when you would get that car. He said, you put that on there. I never told you to set a time date." So, he, and the Lord said, it's not too late. He said, it's not too late. He said, no, it's not too late. You go back, you pick it up again, and you start believing me. Just pick up where you left off and start believing me. This time, don't put any time frames on it. So he went and told his wife. He said, I was praying. The Lord said, you know, when we were believing that car, we can we can pick it up and we can start believing again. Now, when I heard this, it really encouraged me because you know, I had started out believe it from my G, and along the way, I had let go of it. I had just, you know, kind of forgotten about it. And when I heard this testimony, I thought I can go back and I can pick this up again. And I could start believing. And I did. And I started meditating on Mark 11:24, 24, and I'd say within a year, I had that G. I picked it up again when I heard this testimony. I thought it's not too late. So it within uh it was probably another three years later that somebody walked in where his wife was working and said, I feel impressed to buy you and your husband a car. She said, what kind of car? <laughs> and he said, whatever you want. And she said, when would you like to do this? You know? And he said, well, whenever you're ready. And of course, they checked out you know, they checked it out in their heart and they checked it out in the natural that he was able to do, you know, what he said he would do. Because sometimes people tell you to will do things and they can't do it. But but they checked it out. So uh, anyway, that really uh, that really encouraged me, you know, to, to uh, but he said, you were in faith till 1201. And that's when you stop being in faith. Now, um uh, You know, Brother Hagen's healing school. They they, uh, teach on the Word every day. They teach healing and they teach faith every day. And then once a week, they lay hands on people for healing. And they had a lady come there um, who had cancer of the spine. And she stayed two weeks, which is good. She stayed two weeks and she's listening to the Word they prayed for. And eight months later... They got a letter from her, which was good, because that means she's still here, you know. And uh, she wasn't doing too good, you know, when she went. But she said, I went home from that healing school, and she said, I got worse. She said, "I, I, but I got a revelation that God's word is medicine. And she said, I kept taking that word. I kept putting it in and putting it in, and she said, I got worse and worse and worse. The doctors finally just, you know, gave me medicine or whatever. But she said, I, I just kept taking my medicine. And uh, she said, eventually, one day, I started getting stronger. I began to get a little stronger and a little stronger and a little stronger. And she says, she said, I'm totally healed. I mean, she was at death's door. She says, I'm totally healed," And she and she, this was her word. She said, I got so full of the word, that cancer could not stay in my body anymore. It had to leave. That's the way she put it. There just wasn't any room in there for it anymore. She said, I finally got enough of the word in me that that cancer had to leave. Amen? Hallelujah. And that's where... You know, I believe God's Word will heal anybody of anything. But where a lot of people miss it, they don't take enough of it long enough for it to heal them. Mm-hmm. They don't take enough of it long enough to heal them. And that's what they've got to have a revelation of. It's not just always instant. And when it's not instant, we got to keep taking our medicine and believing. Amen? hallelujah. Now, um, let's, um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about endurance, uh, about this patient endurance. Let's, um, let me just make some statements here. Uh, This word endurance from the New Testament, it means to, to remain underneath something, to stay underneath something. That's what it means, to stay and under. It comes from two words, to stay and under. It means to, to remain in one spot, to keep a position, to resolve to maintain some territory that has been gained. In other words, this is my spot and I'm not moving. Amen? That's what it means. Hallelujah. It conveys the idea of steadfast, consistent, unwavering, and unflinching. And this is what Romans 4.20 says about Abraham. He got to the point he did not consider his own body, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider their age. He didn't consider how long it had been since God had given him that word. This is, a, this is the power of patience and endurance at work. This is my spot, and I'm not budging an inch. That's the force of endurance. Now, the King James, uh, a better translation the King James Version would be endurance. One scholar calls it staying power, stick with it power, hanging in there power. That's what it means. Not giving up. Patience says... It's not a matter of if I win the battle. It's a matter of when I win the battle. That's what endurance says. It's an attitude that never gives, gives up. It holds on. It holds out. It perseveres. And it outlasts. There's a saying that says, Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This is... a uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. This is his definition of the word patient endurance. The quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It is the opposite of despondency and is associated with hope. Now, patience and despondency are opposites like faith and fear are opposites. Despondency is a state of low spirits caused by a loss of hope or courage. And this is a spirit that Satan sends on you to try to get you to give up. It's a spirit of despondency. It says, all is lost, there's no hope, give up. That's the spirit of despondency. Despondency. Patience, on the other hand, has fearless confidence in God's word despite what the circumstances are showing you. That's the force of patience. So it takes faith and patience to inherit the promises. That's what Hebrews 6.12 says. Refuse to fling away confidence in God's word. This is the power of endurance at work. Refusing to fling away your confidence regardless of what you see or hear. Patience is a refusal to give up an attitude that is determined to receive whatever is promised or hoped for. There's nothing wrong with your faith. It's strong. That's the testimony I just shared. There was nothing wrong with their faith. They didn't add endurance to it to allow faith to continue to work till they received what they believed for. But without patience, you will give up. Your faith won't give up, but you will give up. And uh, without the force of patience, you will stop your faith. And that's what Satan is after. Satan uses the Paul-up the technique, the pull on technique. He'll come at you with, with a bad report, And then he'll put an obstacle in your way. And then here comes some more bad news. And here comes another bad situation. He's palling. He's piling it on. He's piling on the pressure to try to get you to give up. That's what it's all about. He wants you to stop your faith. Psalm 94, 12, and 13. We won't turn there, but just write it down. Psalm 94, 12, and 13. Bless. Happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whom you discipline and instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law, that you may give him power to keep himself calm in the days of adversity until the inevitable pit of corruption is dug for the wicked. There's already a pit dug for the devil, and he's trying to get you to jump in it instead of him. Don't do it. Don't let him talk you into jumping into the pit that's been dug for him. Days of adversity. The ability to hold yourself calm in the days of adversity. The day of adversity is when Satan comes at you with a test and trial. You put more confidence in what God says instead of what the doctor says instead of what the solicitor says instead of what the bank says, instead of what people say. The power to hold yourself calm is the result of being instructed and disciplined by the Word. Blessed is a man that can hold himself calm in the day of adversity. Now, I ran across this scripture while I was studying this. I'm sure I've read it before, but as I was studying this, it it really... uh, You know, it really adds to what we're talking to here. Proverbs 24.10. Now this sounds a bit tough. Sorry. Proverbs Proverbs 24.10. This is a bit tough, but I think you can take it, okay? (laughs) It says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. The New Century Version says, if you give up when trouble comes, it shows that you are weak. The New Living Translation. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. What does the Bible say? Uh, What? The joy of the Lord is our strength, doesn't it? Amen. Mm -hmm. Contemporary English Version. Don't give up and be helpless in times of trouble. The Good News Translation. If you are weak in a crisis, you are weak indeed. Now, the Living Bible is really tough. But I'm going to read it anyway, okay? It says You are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. (laughs) Okay? Now that's pretty blunt, isn't it? I don't know that I would put it quite that blunt, but that's... So patience is released to work for you in the face of adversity when you act on what you know the Word of God says about your situation. And you can't fight this with mental powers. Your spirit has to have the Word in it, for that word to rise up and put you over. Hallelujah. You say adversity, you don't count. You're defeated. You're under my feet. God's word has reward, and I'm not going to fling it away. Hallelujah. Talk back to him. Amen. When when it looks like doom is inevitable, Satan puts pressure on you to give up. Don't succumb to Satan's pressure, and this force A patient endurance is what holds your faith up and keeps you from succumbing under this pressure. It's the patient force of endurance. Patience has the courage to refuse what Satan, circumstances, and people can prove in the natural world. Patience has the courage to refuse what Satan, circumstances, and people can prove true in the natural world. You say adversity, you don't count. The natural natural world can prove that your faith is not working. And that's what it's all about with Satan. He's out to prove that your faith is not working. And that's where you got to... Stay in faith. You're going to say, no, God's word is true, and God's word is going to prove that I was right to believe him all along, just like Joseph. Hallelujah. This is when you have to do all to stand, and it's patience that enables you to keep standing. Patience has no fear. Now, folks, you can see that this is not nursery school Christianity, is it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's Word is true. Patience knows that in thousands of years God's Word has never failed. Patience knows that. Hallelujah. Patience stands anyway. Patience stands when the natural world proves to you that you are defeated. You say, no. God's Word is true. He's going to prove me right. He's going to prove me right that I trusted Him. That's what patience says. Hallelujah. Patience rejects that as a lie. (coughs) Patience rejects it as a lie. (coughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Make up your mind. You're going to stand your ground and hang in there. We're joint heirs with Jesus. We have his name, his authority, his blood, his word, his faith. Amen. And folks, we can outlast a fallen angel. We can be more persistent than a fallen angel who is a liar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. When Satan retreats and goes elsewhere, you will be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Hallelujah. Praise God. You will not be moved off God's Word. Your patience will not yield to circumstances. It is perfect, complete, running its full course, and it will not succumb to trial. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, folks, this is... This is important. This is practical. This is not just pie in the sky. This is practical. Amen? Amen. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we deal with time when Satan tries to use time to erode our faith and wear us down. This is what we we got to put faith and endurance together. Amen. Right. To receive the promises. Hallelujah. That's why James says you can count it all joy because the results of your prayers are inevitable. That's why you can count it all joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It will stand the test of time. Hallelujah. Patience and endurance will stand the test of time. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand together and let's receive this. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm glad I heard this. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's say this out loud together. I refuse to move and I choose to move from my faith position from my, from my faith position, position until I achieve the victory until I achieve the victory the word promises me the word promises me I will remain steadfast in my commitment I will remain steadfast, will remain steadfast in, in, my in my commitment nothing can move me to change my mind nothing can move me to change my mind I refuse to give up I refuse to give up any of my God promised territory. Any of my God promised territory. I put the power of endurance to work. To give my faith time to work. It isn't a question of if my victory will come. It isn't a question of if my victory will come. It's a question of when my victory will come. It's a question of when my victory will come. Victory will come. I, will be so glad I will be so glad I did not let the enemy I did not let the enemy talk me into giving up. Talk me into giving up. I declare this by faith I declare this by faith In Jesus' name In Jesus' name Amen. Hallelujah.